Hello, and welcome to Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket, a podcast about the work of comedy writer, performer, director, and all-round genius, Julia Davis. I'm Sophie Davis, no relation, and on each episode, I'm joined by a guest to talk about a different show created by Julia Davis. This episode is about Sally Forever, and my guest is comedy writer and director, Charlie Dinkin. So, Charlie, what was your introduction to Julia Davis? Probably uh, Human Remains. Mm -hmm. The first, the kind of the first show she created, really. Yeah. And I got into that because I liked Rob Brydon. And Mm -hmm. I remember I had, I'd seen little bits before, but I had this very depressing time in like, um, 2013, 2014 maybe, where I was living in my parents' house mm-hmm. and I had nothing to do. And I ordered the DVDs of that and a couple of other things. Mm-hmm. And I just watched it through from like midnight till 2 a.m. or something. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. I was like, well, this is just horrible and amazing. I yeah. just really couldn't believe it. That's actually the one I've actually seen the most recently. Oh yeah, I only watched it a few months ago and I was like, why have I not seen this before? Yeah. It's so good. It might it might be my favorite. I might just say that because it's it feels fresh to me because I've only just watched it. But yeah, I really love it. Yeah, so. but also like I think a sign of a good thing is when when something's like simplified down and made smaller mm-hmm. and it becomes like more brilliant for it. And yeah. that is the thing with her that I I'd say probably my least favorite was Underbeat right yeah because it felt like it was this like huge big world and for me like I really just wanted to do her see her do the simplest possible things I think yes you are a genius yeah Underbeat is one that does stand out as being quite different because of the whole historical setting completely yeah like you said it feels because it's quite sort of lavish and and like yeah. has wonderful elements to it and so amazing for those things mm-hmm. that it's good at but then when you see what she can really do and I think Sally Forever is a really good example of that because it is this like quite in a way quite a limited small like mm-hmm. domestic world yeah and then you you can unleash the these characters within it yeah I think of all her shows Sally Forever maybe feels the most like it's in the real world oh absolutely obviously yeah, yeah. Hunter set in a completely different time Nighty Night feels quite extreme and the characters I think in Nighty Night look quite sort of cartoonish yeah and then camping maybe a bit more real world because they're on this campsite the whole time it feels a bit separate like they're Mm -hmm. in their own little world whereas like Sally Forever she's never done anything in like a workplace before and that's new in Sally Forever absolutely and like being in a house and, and having a central character in the middle who's just so almost like so normal to, mm-hmm. the, yeah. to the point where it's become really exacerbated, but it lets her build this character and and take it into take it into kind of a narrative where things can grow and, and surprise you almost. Mm-hmm. If anyone's listening who hasn't watched Sally Forever, then watch it now and come back. But um, <laughs> yeah, a yeah, terrible idea. A little bit about it. So this was written and directed by Julia Davis. Interestingly, it was a co-production between Sky Atlantic in the UK and HBO in the US. Huh. So it aired on both of those channels a similar time towards the end of 2018. Uh, it got very positive reviews in the UK. I only managed to find one slightly negative reviewing but still that was three stars so what was their problem with it i can't remember it was the telegraph though oh, but fine. not for e- them even, it's not for yeah, them even then though three stars nobody seemed to really hate it which is unusual because people often think of julia davis as being quite marmite whereas yeah. all, all of the tv critics i saw seemed to really love it based on the first episode or two 
interestingly, in the US, they seem to quite like it as well. Mm. Um, obviously, a lot of the TV critics over there weren't familiar with her already. So Sally Forever was like their introduction to Julia Davis. So it was quite interesting that they seem to like it a lot as well. HBO did make quite a weird choice to put it in the schedule after the American remake of Camping that they did. Have you heard about that? Lena Dunham. Yeah, so I haven't it. seen it, but they did yeah. fine. So they're trying to make that connection for people and use that to ease people in, I guess. Yeah, I watched, I think, the first two episodes. It, it felt a little bit flat to me. Interesting. And, but even the American critics who have, most of them hadn't seen the original version, they didn't really seem to like the American camping either. So yeah, I've seen the first two and I didn't really feel the need to carry on with it. Fair enough. That's it wasn't a pretty good review. Yeah, it wasn't terrible, but especially because I love the original so much, it just felt, you know, they were hitting the same beats and like the Vicky Pepperdine character is played by Jennifer Garner and oh, the, Steve, the Steve Pemberton character is played by David Tennant. So it's like typical America, they've made everyone like 10 times more attractive. Yeah, like shiny Yeah. <laughs> can't bear normal looking people. Yeah, exactly. How strange. I mean, you sometimes just have to stick in that with those things, like thinking about the American office. Mm, yeah, they did sure. That first season almost tracked exactly. And I, I it lost me then. But then mm. I have gone back since. But I don't yeah. think they're going to carry on camping in that way, are they? I doubt it, no. Yeah, I agree with The Office. Season one does feel quite like they're just remaking the original. And then season two onwards, they're doing their own thing. And I love it from season two onwards. Yeah, that's how I, I felt. I, well. I wouldn't really go back and rewatch series one. When I kind of recommend it to people, I tell them to start at season two usually. Absolutely. But obviously, they don't have the chance to do that with camping because I assume that's going to be it. Yeah. Another thing just to mention before we get into the actual episodes, at the time we're recording this, the TV BAFTAs haven't happened yet, but Sally Forever has had quite a few nominations. Yeah. Uh, I know. I was quite surprised. surprised. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, me too. But yeah, it's been nominated for Best Scripted Comedy. Julia has been nominated for Best Female Comedy Performance. And I was very pleased to see that Alex McQueen has been nominated for Best Male Comedy yes, Performance. Yes, And truly... I think he maybe deserves it. He's brilliant. I, yeah. I love her in it for reasons we can get into, but mm -hmm. I just think he is incredible. Yeah, it's a very strong category. I, I'd be pleased for any of them to win, but I, yeah, I was very pleased to see his face in there. So before we get into the episodes, we'll just talk a little bit about the cast. So the titular Sally is played by Catherine Shepard. Had you seen her in much before this? So the only thing I remember seeing her in was Peep Show. Yeah, sure. And then I really... Wondered in the back of my head, I'd been like, what's happened to her? I'm sure she's done lots. Has she done other stuff since? She's been in quite a lot of comedy shows over the years, but not in like a lead role like this. I think Pe uh, Peep Show was probably one of her biggest roles. I think I first saw her in an episode of The IT Crowd. Oh, There's an episode where they're having a dinner party. Jen's friends are there and they're kind of paired up with Moss, Roy and Richmond. And Catherine Shepard plays like a really socially awkward woman. Oh. Uh, she clearly did a good job because I've absolutely wiped her out of that yeah episode. she was yeah she was good in that I think that's where I knew her from originally and then she crops up in quite a few sketch shows Julia Davis has said before that when she was coming up with the idea for Sally Forever she specifically wanted to make a show with Catherine Shepard that's amazing um, I love that yeah and before she wrote any of the scripts they did a lot of improv together to kind of figure out the characters and stuff and um, it just feels right and it gives them mm. such a good dynamic that it feels so intentional yeah there's a lot of cast. chemistry yeah it's very good and, and it lets her be a really odd character because mm -hmm. she's a really weird central character. Yeah, sure. And she said 
in an interview, she says, uh, I'd always loved Catherine Shepard because she's so, like we were saying before, she's so understated and precise uh, and she corpses a lot. <laughs> yeah, and she really does. You can see it throughout and it's just like quite delightful, actually. Yeah, particularly in uh, the therapy scenes, you can see she's really trying. Yeah, really in that, in the car. Go. I was speaking to someone recently who said that they found that the most annoying thing about the yeah, show. Yeah, it is interesting that obviously Julia Davis directed it so she must have made the decision to leave that in yeah like it does kind of stand out in the car because whenever it's a shot of the three of them she's trying not to laugh but then when they cut to just her she's got she's really like, serious again because they clearly filmed that herself. So quite often time. put a hand over her mouth yeah. to try and like distract from it yeah apparently they did she did ha- have scripts in place but they did takes that were on script and takes that were off script yeah really so I'm, smart I'm guessing the ones where she was laughing they might have been a bit more improvisational than the other ones. So that's Catherine Shepard. Then we already mentioned him. We have Alex McQueen as Sally's boyfriend, David. Oh, he's just so revolting and pathetic in it. You just love him. He's, it's like, you don't want to watch, but you have to, because he's (laughs) just the worst possible man. Yeah. I, when I was looking at what he's done before, he does definitely have a knack for playing these quite repulsive men. Uh, obviously, he's worked with Julia Davis before in Hunderbay. Yeah, and you can just, in that. it makes sense in her world. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, I love acting. I truly think that is acting and it's like good acting. It's mm-hmm. not just being a comic in something that you're happy to take on those parts that mm-hmm. are are kind of horrible. Yeah. And it's, no one's, no one looks good in this show. Mm-hmm but he really doesn't look good and yeah. it's so delicious. Yeah, she does use a lot of character comedians yeah, rather, yeah. rather than a lot of, in a lot of sitcoms nowadays, I feel you see a lot of stand-ups. Yeah, and I absolutely hate it because mm. I, I often I think it's it's being able to really act and bring those details. And that's the th- one of the things that I think is so nice about it is like, the script is very funny. The The way they speak is very funny, but there's so much more happening around them. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, particularly with him, so much slurping. There's just so yeah. many mouth noises <laughs> in the whole show. And you just think, yeah, that is the thing that would make me absolutely hate you. When he's eating the biscuit in bed. I mean, it's yeah. these tiny little things that... Oh, just so revolting because he he puts them in such good contrast to mm-hmm. who he thinks he is. Just a layered character. Yes, yeah, this domestic stuff that is yeah. the sort of thing that would annoy you in real life, but she takes it to extremes. You know, you might have a partner who slips their teeth that loudly, but yeah, yeah. most people it's just a little bit, but she really sort of... Oh, she really hams it up. Yeah. And the idea, I think the thing that he does that's really nice and maybe this sits in the sort of improvised element of it is stuff goes on for a very long time. Yeah. Like he really, he holds on to the thing he's doing mm-hmm. when he's like picking at his feet and hair yeah. drying it it just goes on you can imagine that when they filmed it it went on and on and on and yeah. on yeah and you're just sort of putting your head in your hands yeah like, and it's when's this gonna stop tension of it <laughs> and then we have well obviously julia davis is in this she plays emma we also have julian barrett who is julia davis's husband in real life which i love yeah what is is it when you is standing some when you stand someone that's yeah. when you want them to be, is it what you want them that's to be together the kids how like. the kids talk <laughs> but like I am obsessed with creative couples I love mm-hmm. couples working together I think it's nice that they're not the like romantic pairing in this I mm-hmm. always really love yeah, that sure. in like a Judd Apatow film when you always feel that he's cast somewhat Paul Rudd as himself mm-hmm. and then he's like Paul Rudd and his wife constantly yeah, yeah if, you, if you're watching it and you know that they're a couple it does yeah. add an extra little layer to it like they don't really share any scenes for the first few episodes so then when they do meet up, you feel a little sort of like, oh, they're finally together on screen. And uh, it brings out all these, I mean, the thing I really love about it, and I guess we can like talk about this in more depth, is I think she's just so good at contrast.
trust. Everything is, you know, it seems like one thing, but it actually is another in terms of character, in terms of plot, in terms of everything. And I think that's like a lovely Easter egg of it, that it seems like they are, Mm -hmm. they hate each other and couldn't be more different. But then you know in real life that they are the opposite of that. I think this is the third thing they've been in together. Uh, The first was a thing that I love and nobody else seems to have seen it. It's called ADBC. Have you heard of that? I haven't seen it, no. Nobody has. It's a one-off BBC Three thing that was on in the early 2000s, I think. And it's a spoof rock opera uh, that's kind of parodying Jesus Christ Superstar and that sort of thing. And it's written by Matt Berry and Richard Iowadi before they were sort of big, you know. It's it's ridiculous. You you can buy it on DVD, but I think it's on YouTube. Oh, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I love it. It's the story of the nativity told from the point of view of the innkeeper amazing so amazing, it's just amazing. it makes no sense Matt Berry's the innkeeper so obviously he's singing a lot that's his thing Richard Iowadi is Joseph he sings as well he's got a surprisingly good voice yeah, but- uh, Julian Barrett is a guy called Tony Iscariot who's like a rival innkeeper right. and then Julia Davis is the innkeeper's wife love that it's amazing but yeah they're on screen a little bit together in that and then they were also in something that I haven't seen. It was a Chekhov comedy short on Sky Arts with um, Reese Shearsmith in it as well. Julia Davis has said in an interview quite recently that she didn't think it was very good. So Fair. it sounds like I'm not missing out on I mean, much. I love that she would say that and can say it and you yeah. get that vibe from all those people. I just think they. it seems like there's a lot of integrity to it. They're mm-hmm. all happy to be experimental yeah. and kind of like honestly evaluate their work. But no, I love them being, and I've mean, I've read things about him about how he's like so understated and such mm-hmm. a like nice man. He just mm-hmm. loves his family and being at home, and I can believe it. They both seem like that. They really. just seem great, like, especially you read in a lot of interviews with her. The journalists often comment on how she's completely different from how they imagine. But I think that's just because they're thinking she's going to be isn't that like, really so dark funny? Or something. The assumption that to make that kind of work you have to be really outrageous or crazy. When in mm. fact, I think the opposite. To make that kind of work, you have to be the sort of person that listens to other people yeah. and watches very closely and has a bit of an intimate, private world where mm-hmm. you're able to like be very imaginative. Because they they based on reality, but they're this another another level that's like so her and probably so him and them mm-hmm. together. Yeah, she seems really lovely, and yeah. she seems to have quite a broad taste in comedy as well. Like when she gets asked in interviews, "What do you like on TV at the moment?" She says things like, "Oh, I've been rewatching Friends and Frasier with Great. my kids," and. Uh, I can't remember what else she mentioned now, but also she likes watching reality TV, she's mentioned. And that kind of makes sense, I think, because that's quite a lot of ordinary people put in a weird situation and often they're saying quite awful things to each other. Absolutely. I think almost at this point, reality TV is more comedy than Mm -hmm. most comedy because it's just so personality driven. I was really, really obsessed with Celebrity Big Brother Mm -hmm. to the point where I would go to the Edinburgh Fringe and then I'd have to be home every evening to watch Celebrity Big Brother. Like I wasn't enjoying the Fringe at all because I just wanted to get home and watch CBB. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in uni, I used to watch Made in Chelsea. Yeah. It was basically like for the laughs like you're not watching it in a really serious way you're watching it because it's so ridiculous you're watching it for that like the sort of like subconscious part of it which is 
these are real people who've chosen to put themselves in this situation mm -hmm. to pursue a very singular aim, which is fame. That's completely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. That requires them to do an escalating series of more horrible things. And like Celebrity Big Brother, the last season, I mean, they've cancelled it now. Yeah. But in the last season, all they were doing the whole time was talking about how much they needed the money oh, and how right. like desperate they were to be there. Oh, it, the ennui of it was just like <laughs> the most amazing thing. Yeah. So we've got Felicity Montague as Eleanor. Yeah, uh, another person like Alex McQueen who... Really good character actor. Just so, and, and just not even horrible characters, but just like layered characters mm -hmm. and really like, yeah, they, uh, that status were often like quite low status mm -hmm. characters. Yeah, when I was a teenager, I think I knew her from Nighty Night and uh, I'm Alan Partridge yes. and Bridget Jones's Diary. And for a long time, I didn't actually realise that that was the same person. I agree. I thought it was three different actresses because yeah. she's so different and she's very different in this as well. I think a few years later, I was like, what, you mean Lynn is that person in Nighty Night? Yeah. But, yeah, strange. Playing, weirdly, the characters themselves, not that far apart, mm -hmm. but she manages to add mm -hmm. such nuance and also a wig in Alan Partridge, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But like she does do them in a different way. They're like quite different shades of w what seems a bit like a typecast. And then when mm -hmm. you look at all the stuff she's been in, she's been in so much stuff. Yeah. She clearly is so reliable and, and able to have that like chameleon like quality. Yeah, she's great. And the last person I'll just mention is Jane Stannis plays uh, Deborah, who's Sally's boss. She was in Hundeby and she also cropped up a little bit in Nighty Night and Human Remains. Uh, she ran the uh, wedding dress shop. Interesting, um, yeah, yeah. Her IMDb is quite sparse, but I went on her Twitter and it says that she's a singer-songwriter, so I guess oh, acting isn't her main thing. Oh, I love that. She is like an old friend of Julia Davis, though, because they apparently they were in an improv group together with Ruth Jones and Rob Brydon. Oh my God, amazing. In, I think in Bath. Um, and then obviously at When Human Remains happened, that was sort of the four of them doing that together. And then Gavin and Stacey, sort of the connection carried on. Uh, that's I love that. It's yeah. kind of my fantasy for myself that I'll just be <laughs> bit parts in all my friends' yeah. things. Like absolutely no need to be an actor. I just want like one line. A one line walk on and everything so everyone can be like, steal the scene. Yeah. Why? <laughs> So those are like the main players, really. And there's other people as well who we'll sort of come to as we go through it. So we'll go through episode one. We open with David is performing this a cappella version of Faith by George Michael. Sally's in the audience with her parents and she just looks absolutely mortified. She doesn't want to be there at all. It just sort of sets up the fact that David is the least sexy man yeah. in the world. Her mum's also in her ear telling her that, you know, she should get married soon. And she tells her that her eggs are dropping out every month and losing quality as she gets older. Sally just looks very uncomfortable throughout the whole thing. Uh, and then after that, we go to the, well, they're at home. Again, David is like moisturizing his feet. Uh, yeah, which is so revolting. Yeah, so in about two minutes, they've set up just how revolting David is and how they're in this relationship where Sally is clearly not very happy but then her life changes for good at first and then not for good they're on the tube she notices this rather attractive woman sitting opposite her and they have a little moment where they look at each other Sally gets so distracted that she then leaves all her work on the train and then we see her own work and it's it's like the least glamorous advertising agency ever, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But very literal. So I worked in advertising agencies for oh, a long time. Right. And the 
the thing that's it's it's really observational and nice. I think the uh, number of ways because they're trying to sell eggs. Yeah, they're trying to make eggs sexy. Trying to make <laughs> eggs sexy. What a beautiful, beautiful brief that is so accurate to the stupid things that you have to do in advertising. It's actually yeah. so well observed. <laughs> they're like, I think at one point they're like, put an egg in a bra. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's like the egg justification. DJs, it. Yeah. Oh, it's just great, and that really sets up the um, Julian Barrett mm-hmm. character. That it makes him this. You just see him as this like downtrodden mm-hmm. man just trying his best. It sort of has this frisson of tension between them. Yeah, they have a little glance at each other when they come in. They seem like they're kind of on the same wavelength and they don't really want to be in that yeah. job. <laughs> and she's like, so she lives in this world which is so incredibly normal, it's almost absurd. Mm-hmm. It's what they set up throughout that entire episode, I think. Mm-hmm. And and obviously the agony of her potential fiancé husband and how completely normal he is to the point where it's just unbearable. And then there's this this like glimmer of hope in another guy in her office, but she just would never do it. Yeah. I think it's just, it's all just such nice relatable stuff, but mm-hmm. it, it hits those character points so hard. Is it in the first episode that he proposes? Or have I learned? Yeah, it is. Yeah. She, well, they have this meeting in work where Eleanor, I think Eleanor might be my favorite side character because she's just so awful. She is talking about how she said, well, she says, I have a boiled egg every morning and I'm convinced they make your boobs grow. Mine just get bigger and bigger. (laughs) And she just comes out with these ridiculous things. And then after this, they're having a conversation in the kitchen and she's labeling her dairy products. And she tells Sally about why she's in a wheelchair, apropos of nothing really. Apparently her mum ran her over when she was quite young and Eleanor says she reversed over me and then back again she said she thought it was a large dog but we think she knew (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just it sets up the thing that's so exciting about it one thing that's so exciting about it is that there is not one character really who is nice other than Mm -hmm. him other than what is Julian Barrett's character name Nigel Nigel other than Nigel who is nice but is also just kind of like useless in his own way yeah they all have their flaws they're all so flawed and it's like it's like a bit of a morality tale Mm -hmm. like it's it really has that quality to it that she is sort of the hero she's sort of the good one she certainly isn't as flawed as everyone Mm -hmm. else but she's so passive yeah like that is her flaw that she's just like a black hole of indecision yeah and it lets everyone around her be so terrible and disgusting because it there's no attempt ever to correct them or bring them back so it's like she's this through line for a while which just lets everyone else be horrific yeah she's like a real person really she doesn't know what she wants she gets out of this relationship with one awful person and then jumps into this other relationship and she turns out to to be equally as awful. I think Nigel's the only person she ever kind of seems to be herself with. There are a few scenes in work where they're having a little chat in the kitchen and she seems a lot more self-confident, like they're just, you know, joking with each other that's the only time I think where she actually seems like she's not sort of retreating yeah and, just and it's want- like he's the one person who can see that in her and he really is the one person who actually pays attention to mm-hmm. her in the whole thing everyone else has an agenda her you know her boyfriend just wants to get married for mm-hmm. himself because they're they saying like there's nothing else for yeah, any of sure. us if we do it uh, Eleanor is like desperate for her to be this love rival <laughs> and to, to set that up so she's sort of the winner over her somehow mm-hmm. even Sally you know it's like a bouncing off so she can just be this like outrageous absolute narcissist feeding on that energy Mm -hmm. and then he's the one person who really is giving her a space and also kind of like listening to what she has to say yeah sure and then yeah like you said sally goes home david kind of uh 
attacks her wearing a balaclava because oh. he wants to spice things oh. up. It's I think so awful. Yeah, I think something similar happened in Fleabag, didn't it? In the very first episode, her boyfriend says that they need to surprise yes. each other every day. And she comes in when he's in the shower wearing a balaclava. And I think she's holding a knife as well. That I don't know. It made me think of that when yeah, I first saw it. Yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah, it's obviously it's not a good idea. Don't do that. I think that um, it's it's done in such a way that it's so it feels so real and it's so genuinely scary it's yeah. not like played for anything it's like she's he's frightened for her life she's so scared <laughs> and he's made such a terrible decision and they both know it there's just it's the antithesis of sexy yeah it's it's a man who has never been sexy in his entire mm-hmm. life yeah and no one's requiring it of him and he's not requiring it of himself yeah and then obviously he takes the balaclava off she's she's dying she can't believe it and he says to her I'm just fed up of you saying that I'm boring and predictable and my penis is too small (laughs) and she responds I never said it was too small I just said I couldn't feel anything it has a really uh, Julia Davis flavour to it Mm -hmm. flavour but that it's this domestic normal thing and the the, the real gripe is somewhere underneath and Mm -hmm. all the things we do to hide and to disguise Mm -hmm. what the real Problem. But not not that the real problem necessarily is that, but that it's that she's voiced this one true thing and he hasn't wanted to hear it. Yeah, sure. And then, like you said before, he decides this is a good time to propose to her. <laughs> Least romantic proposal ever. He's sobbing and saying, you're, you're not getting any younger. Yeah, you're not you're, getting any you're not, younger. You're not going to meet anyone else. And she just sort of gives in basically and it's like yeah fine whatever just pushing it and pushing it and pushing it past the point where you think get out get out you would mm. get out and then she does that for six episodes yeah where you always think this has got to be the end of and until she's so far in there's absolutely no way out mm. and then we get the scene where they're in bed and he's slurping his tea and picking biscuit out of his teeth and just breathing really loudly um, and then he brings out this wedding dress which is his mum's wedding dress. He wants Sally to wear it, but he tells her that it's got some stains on oh, it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the implication is it's feces. Yeah, it, that seems very Julia Davis as Yeah, well. that it's really and, puerile and disgusting and bodily. And he starts saying, oh, it smells nice though, and offers it to her and she's like, no, I'm okay, thanks. Right, then they go to bed and Sally decides to spontaneously go to this club that she got a flyer for earlier off Emma. They haven't really spoken to each other yet. She's just sort of exchanged looks with her and taken this flyer. She decides to go out. Emma's performing with uh, Jamie Demetrio, who's always very good in stuff. I don't want to like dwell on this too much, but how ridiculous is it that Julie Davis is in her early 50s? Oh, she looks incredible. She looks like she's mid 30s. Aimless, probably. aimless, aimless. <laughs> not what I meant. Ageless, timeless. Mm. Uh, yeah, oh, she looks amazing. Yeah, she looks really good here. Yeah, she just hasn't aged in quite a few years now. Sally's being quite awkward in this club, bumping into people. She tries to slide a beer across the bar in a really cool way, but it just backfires. And then her and Emma have this first conversation. At first, you kind of feel like, oh, this is quite exciting. And then Emma says, oh, je m'appelle Emma. I'm part French. And you just immediately realise, oh, she's awful. Yeah, but it's it's the simplest, smallest way. Mm. With a lot of these characters, there's this one little tell. And you feel this horror because you know that it's just, this is the beginning. And Mm -hmm. it's like, whether or not she sees it, it's just going to happen to her time and time again with people. Yeah, I think Jamie Demetrius is 
great in it. He's ace. Yeah. There's a couple of people. I'm always really excited when I th- when I think like, oh, h- you know, here are people in comedy with a, a good track record who are going to be able to bring new people up and in with them, and who who are the kind of people that someone wants to work with. Mm-hmm. And I really like that Jamie Dimitri is in it because he's he does good, really good character work. I do just think he's so funny. Mm-hmm. But Rachel Stubbings, who oh, I always yeah, think does yeah. quite. Julia Davis-esque mm-hmm. work. I was like, no, wouldn't this be nice if Rachel Stoppings was in it? And yeah, then she, she shows up behind the bar, yeah. And she just has that same sensibility. Yeah, and then Seb Cardinal comes up later. He's another yeah. really good character comedian. Yeah, she knows she knows who to get in. Yeah, she really makes nice decisions in the way that when you, you go see a stand-up that you like, you want to see... They're, they choose their opening act yeah, so sure. they can be like, this is someone of my sensibility. Mm-hmm. And it feels like she really select, you can really understand why she wants to work with certain people. Mm-hmm. So then Sally and Emma have a little bit of a, a kiss in the club and it seems like it's maybe going to go a bit further, but Sally sort of freaks out and runs off. Then we see the next morning she's waking up. Uh, David wakes her up by leaning really close to her face and saying, morning, Mrs. Fiance. <laughs> uh, and he asks her why she's covered in glitter. And she says she's been practicing her wedding makeup during the night. Do you think he actually believes that? I think it's just that opposition thing again, isn't it? Which is he is not paying any attention to her at all, it, which lets it be different to Nigel because he's just nothing. He doesn't care at all what mm-hmm. she wants or what she's doing yeah sure and then they have this moment where he starts getting quite excited at the thought of her wearing his mum's wedding dress and, <laughs> Every uh, time, just horrible. and we have this scene where he goes to the bathroom to well he at first he asks her if she wants to have sex and she's like no thank you so he goes to the bathroom to relieve himself yeah um, I think when I watched this for the first time I think this was the moment where the first moment where I really just put my head in my hands and was like no why is this happening yeah that she's just so trapped in it I I really like the treatment of like sex in it in general because you have such you have both extremes you have Mm -hmm. like you don't want to do it or touch him and and what it's like when there's just a complete absence of sex and speaking about it in this really horrible juvenile grotesque way and then on the other end in later episodes these really extremely Mm -hmm. graphic sex scenes which are like almost sort of grotesque in in how graphic and sudden they are mm-hmm. they're not like truly disgusting but the other way that there's it's it makes you feel like it's going to have one perspective on it but then actually it just gives you such a broad it's the whole spectrum, whole spectrum. Really, it's not telling yeah. you how to feel about either there's kind of like both can be bad everything can be bad everything can be good everything sure. is relative yeah I was watching this the other day and my cat was sitting next to me and during this scene where he's in the bathroom and he's making these really horrible noises my cat started like getting quite distressed <laughs> he was looking around the no. room like what are these like animalistic <laughs> grunting noises where are they coming from oh yes yeah, traumatizing so then Sally's in work she's still thinking about Emma and she's looking up her performances online, watching videos. I paused it at this point to see what Emma's like stage name is because it says under the video, it's Little Miss Humpsy Boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only noticed that for the first time She's the other so day. so juvenile. The I little love details, it. yeah. And then she gets a text from Emma. They go and meet up in a pub. And because Emma is a free spirit, she puts something on the jukebox and is like dancing around in the middle of this pub completely inappropriate and Sally walks in and she goes oh I just love dancing oh, cringe <laughs> yeah it is and so you have this one person who's so held in and so modest and something with this you know that of course would seem like the escape for them mm-hmm. 
Yeah, she seems very appealing. She's the complete opposite of David, basically, at this point. Obviously, they have some similarities later on in terms of just how needy and strange they are. Emma tells Sally that she has been kicked out of her flat and Sally keeps kind of telling her that she's not gay, insisting that she's not gay. And Emma starts like, sucking her finger in a really awkward way and then they have a little bit of a fumble in the toilets. Sally goes home. David has gone away for some sort of work thing, but he's left a load of petals all over the bed and he's also left her a little note which says, uh, my soulmate, my partner, my mother, my lover, my nurse and my clown. (laughs) And he's also left a little request that she should try on the wedding dress and send in some pictures. And now we come to the sex scene to end all sex scenes yeah i really i quite like it when a comedy just sort of completely ruins something for you and she's done it here with china in your hand by tapao <laughs> i've heard it a few times since sally forever and every time i hear it i'm like oh no yeah, <laughs> just no, flashbacks yeah so apparently she had blue as the warmest color in mind when she was doing this that was the inspiration yeah it has that sort of like being like this is European we're Mm -hmm. seeing absolutely everything yeah and apparently originally there was even more extreme stuff happening she says in my head initially there was a lot more going on there were snails and creatures and things but we sadly didn't have the time to do all those more artsy ideas but I think on one hand obviously it is really extreme and ridiculous like there's a feather duster and Sally's you can see that Sally's very very hair which you're not really expecting. It just comes out of nowhere. Um, and then the whole thing with the, the tampon. Oh, yeah. Just, but just mad. perfect. The absolute pinnacle of like two women. When you haven't had women, you've been with this awful man mm-hmm. and then it's like, yeah, it's like a woman Less doesn't care. Go, it's like yeah. peak, a bloody tampon. <laughs> I think that's, that's cool about her wanting to do more stuff because I think you can see that sometimes hints of it, the the that she could do more. She could mm-hmm. go crazier. She has it in her to always go wackier. Mm-hmm. And so it's finding that line with like, what is the wackiest she can get away with within the confines of the world? Yeah, I think another thing about this scene, on the one hand, it is very ridiculous, but in a way, there's also some realism in it as well. Because Absolutely. They're all, they're very like sweaty and there's yeah. like mess that you wouldn't usually see. You can see... Um, Julia's character's got a load of stuff around her mouth. Oh, I think it's like amazing sexy. When you see it, you're like, oh, but then you realise, oh no, that is what happens. That is what sex looks like. (laughs) It's so literal and it's it's revealing the like bluntness of it as well in a way that it is this amazing transformational moment for her, but it's also just like very human and real. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we get intercut with this scene, scenes of David uh, in this hotel. Yeah. Um, I wrote down everything he's doing. He's he's flossing and then he's moisturizing the top of his bull's head. Uh, and then he's building a sort of, again, it gets quite ridiculous. He's building a shrine to Sally on his bedside table. Then he's like blow drying inside his underwear, painting a picture of Sally, sewing her name into some sort of thing. And then he's dunking a biscuit and putting on an anti-snoring helmet. So yeah, complete contrast yeah. to just makes it more funny and it makes it so they're good jokes but they're they are also character-based jokes they're not like escalating to a point where it's like well this is the joke that builds on this joke that builds on this joke there is sort of like a randomness to it Mm -hmm. david coming back and sally essentially breaking things off with him and he has a really good response he's like but but i got my hat this morning from amazon for the wedding and she says uh i still love you i'm just not attracted to you anymore and he asks her since when and she says maybe the last seven years 
So I think they've said before they've been together for 10 years. So that's quite a significant portion of the relationship. Yeah. She's just felt nothing. And then as the episode ends, he's kind of packing his stuff away. He sobs into the wedding dress and you can see there's the blood is yeah, still stained over where the tampons landed on it. That is the end of episode one. And then we'll just go through the other sort of highlights, really, because it, right. it would take forever. It would be like <laughs> as long as the actual series if we went through every one. So episode two starts with David has been kicked out and he's come back to the house to pick up some of his stuff. I remember when Sally Forever was being promoted, there was this shot of Sally was in bed and then uh, Emma was on one side of her and David was on the other side of her. Did you see that picture Oh, at interesting. All? I don't remember it, but yeah. Because yeah. I remember when I saw that, for some reason, I assumed that the series was going to be about them kind of... You're trying to... Being like a three. Thruple. Is yeah. that what it's called? A thruple? Yes. Um, <laughs> so Louis, I hear. Yeah, from Louis Theroux. <laughs> so I, I was quite surprised when he moved out because I kind of assumed that they were going to be living as a threesome, you know? Yeah, I'm um, glad he does though because yeah, it's sure. so much more interesting to have him go on his little mm-hmm. journey. You feel like she's going to get some distance from him and then you see she, she just is connected and feels like she owes him and mm-hmm. those little moments are so much nicer. Yeah, this is the episode where Emma redecorates part of the house Mm. I think how long do you think she's been living here for at this point just a few days yeah almost nothing the whole thing is so compressed isn't it it's a it's I could believe it was like a couple of weeks or months the whole Mm -hmm. series yeah somewhere between those two but yeah she's been there for no time she puts up that awful picture of herself like nude and squatting And then later when the parents come around, they're just sitting in front yeah. of it. I do think so. The One of the funniest performances, I think, is her mum. She's great. Yeah. It's, and, and the way that builds that she's she's so awful. And they kind of acknowledge it later on when they say, I think Sally says, I knew she was religious, but it's got mm-hmm. more and more. And, and the intensity of the judgment that she's mm-hmm. bringing about how uncomfortable she is in that situation. She's very uptight. And yeah, when they come around and have this dinner, it's such an awkward dinner. The parents keep asking about the wedding. Obviously it's not happening anymore, but Sally's being really evasive and doesn't want to tell them that. And then she's got Emma on one side of her saying, well, the wedding's not really happening anymore, is it? And And at this point, uh, I think you're still not sure if Emma is a baddie because you need her, you want her to say those things so Mm -hmm. much that you think, yeah, this is a person who's going to get her out of her shell and like get her speaking her truth. But then you find that it just bypasses that and it becomes like Emma's truth and Emma's vision on it. Yeah. And Sally's so indecisive, even though she's kicked David out and Emma's now moved in, it still seems like she isn't completely sure what's happening with the wedding. Like she's, it's almost as if she still thinks, oh, it might still happen. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. She doesn't want to disappoint disappoint anyone. She doesn't want to deal with the consequences. It is really, I think it's, I mean, it is so symbolic, isn't it? That her house gets immediately redecorated in a way she Mm. completely doesn't like, but she just doesn't feel like she can say anything about it. Yeah. She's scratched up a table that belonged to her grandma (laughs) with with a company. To make it like boho, whatever it is. Yeah, she looks really pleased with herself as well. She, she, Sally comes down and Emma's like, I just changed the whole room. Like, look as if she's going to love it. She shows how kind of deranged she is really that comes out later on. David comes round to talk about 
what's going to happen with the house. Uh, and he technically owns the house, but yeah. Emma's convinced Sally that she's entitled to have the house because she's been living as his common law wife, which yeah. isn't a thing. But um, it's nice because that's the moment it starts to set up a dynamic between him and Emma, specifically via Sally, mm-hmm. but that she's being, she, it is an absurd thing to ask for them to have the house. And she does, she's yeah. cajoled into it, isn't it? Yeah, she, she does she it does so it. casually as well. They're talking and she says, so we were talking about the house and is it okay if we just have it? And he's obviously like, no, I paid for it. And is, did he bring sausages? Yeah, that Emma's made them some sort of vegetarian or vegan dinner that he's looking really disgusted by. And then he just he just whips out a handful of raw sausages. He wants to just put them under the grill. Yeah, and Sally says, can you not have one sausage-free supper? Yeah, so again, in this episode, <laughs> it's like she is talking back to these people who've been kind of oppressive to her. It is this like almost glimmer of hope before it gets really bad that she is able to say to these people, but then it's a whole new person she isn't able to say anything to. I love the idea as well that he's been having sausages every single night. <laughs> always pulls them years. out they're just he just has oh they're not even in packaging he just, just I don't know where they were like in his pocket yeah, it's, it's, it was like it. just whips them out so we've got two really awkward dinners in this episode really that the parents and then David obviously comes around for this dinner she asks him if she can have the house obviously he says no Emma is being really nasty to David and saying that he's made Sally ill and kind of set, beginning to sow the seed for just how much she lies to people all the time. Yes, and Sal- she's and so Sally happy to do that. Her, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, she says uh, that Sally's uh, had constant thrush. She's really, really thrushy now. Then they're watching a film and David gets a call about his dad dying and they're watching this film and Emma says, should, should I pause it? Or <laughs> Yeah, she's, you can see that she's this absolute egomaniac. She just has absolutely no time for him at all mm. does she yeah and then obviously he starts getting attention from sally because his dad has died which is understandable but emma can't stand that you know the fact that he's taken this attention away and and that's what starts yeah. to really provoke her into being more horrible mm-hmm. when she when as soon as she's starved of anything she's when all eyes are on her it's all fine yeah they go on this car journey and emma insists on going because she can't bear to let sally go off with david we were talking about this before. Catherine Shepard is really trying not to laugh during this scene because I think it's the moment where Emma basically gets fed up that David's getting all this attention. So she pretends to get a phone call that her friend has died. Yeah. And she, she's been like splattered by a bendy bus or something <laughs> like that. And Catherine Shepard's starting to sort of put a hand over him. I really love it. Isn't this the first time she's asking for a cortado? Yeah. She wants to stop for a cortado. Yeah, this is the first. <laughs> the most obnoxious <laughs> word related to coffee. I was looking at a board the other day actually in a mm. coffee shop and being like yeah cortado is the worst thing yeah. to say out I loud. hadn't heard of it before this. me I, neither I thought it was made up and it's, a, it's like a short black coffee I think so but I, since I've seen this though I've been noticing it everywhere I yeah, just I'd also never heard it yeah and someone... it also does this funny thing with food which I don't know if I maybe I misremembered this but but uh, that scene with her um, parents in the in the dinner party. The joke is that her the dad is gluten intolerant, yeah. and then it's like Sally embodies that and takes that on. So in later in the series, we see Sally talking about how she's gluten intolerant, mm. and it's she, oh, she um, is, Emma oh does, sorry, it's yeah, not Sally. Yeah. Yeah, Emma talking about yeah. how she's gluten intolerant, There's, and it's um, like she she wasn't in that mm-hmm. scene, and then she's found this new thing. Every yeah. time it's like a new thing that can be a point of attention. Yeah, there's um I think it's particularly bad when they're on the film set. I think she asks for a plastic 
baguette because she's allergic to normal bread and can't even touch yeah. it, which obviously isn't true. She's just yeah, said of course that. she isn't. She has no, she's just using any little thing to build up an identity, and and that's the real like nub of that character is that she's attention seeking, but she's attention seeking through literally any possible way she can do it, and each of those ways will escalate. And then the second episode ends with them being at David David's mum's house. She still thinks that Sally and David are together and she, she shows Emma to her separate room and she sees this bed and Emma's not happy about it and says, oh, it's just normally I like to sleep with my legs wide open. It's going <laughs> to be hard for me to spread out on that. Again, just attention seeking, being really ridiculous and... Then obviously it ends with this scene where they're they're getting uh, intimate with each other while the bedroom door is open. And it's such a beautiful shot through that door, and and such a like clear full frontal mm. shot of what's happening. And then knowing David's poor mother, I love how she keeps going back as well. It's another one of those things where it goes on longer than you think it's going oh, to. Yeah. She has a look and is horrified, and then she turns away, and then I think she goes back twice because of course you were <laughs> looking at the things you're that you shouldn't be seeing. It's like so human and truthful and then isn't she she's stunned into yeah I, th- I remember when I first watched it I was like oh god has she died yeah and but- that's kind of a nice point of it isn't it that you think oh she's going to be dead mm. but no she's been they say the name of the condition I can't remember what it is but they say she's been like struck dumb and then she's like miming the scissoring action to tell them what she's seen and uh, Emma goes is she part of a street gang at all yeah uh, and then Amazing. that's the end of episode two and then in the third one we kind of this is where the honeymoon period really starts to be over I think we said before they're probably they've probably only been together a few days or a few weeks at this point yeah but they're already going to th- couples therapy yeah. <laughs> with uh, Vicky Pepperdine who's always really funny have you heard uh, Dear Joan and Jericho I have yeah it, that really the therapy scenes really made me think of that obviously it's they seem quite improvisational compared to the rest as well I think yeah they clearly are able to do that and have that vibe and she and yeah she just clearly can do it and it's so funny with it I love that it starts with the hot drink that she wants yeah straight away um Emma wants they're offered some water but she does she wants a hot drink and then she's just annoyed that the therapist has a yeah she has to have something special yeah she's always got to have the thing and if she doesn't have it that's so distracting yeah but despite that i love how the therapist just seems to think that emma is a really good person and that sally's the problem and that runs throughout all their sessions that she's just really dismissive of sally and thinks that she's the issue in the relationship when that clearly isn't the case from from the other stuff because before we've seen sally you know we're like not sure if it's good or bad basically because there are sort of some good things to it and it's definitely different from what she had before and then once we get into this we're like oh no there's twisted logic like there's no way out because she's she's almost being like tricked into it she can't say anything to get out and this episode as well is where we have the brief uh we get to see the brand relaunch for the egg company Mm. and nigel sort of meets a woman who he then dates briefly and they have a little moment where she asks him if he's a widower and he says no and she says oh you've just got one of them faces he does he absolutely (laughs) does have that vibe it's such a nicely observed true thing 
Yeah, it's great. And yeah, like I said before, the honeymoon period is really over. At the very beginning of the episode, Sally's trying to sleep and Emma keeps touching her face in a really annoying way. And then she makes her late for work because she's trying to get off with her in the kitchen, basically, and starts splashing tap water all over her. And then Sally sort of shoves her out of the way and Emma just full on kicks her in the shin. (laughs) Yeah, they're not enjoying themselves anymore at all, really. It doesn't seem like Sally even wants the sexual stuff that much anymore she's immediately just like no I don't want this oh they're straight back into a different sort of horrible relationship Mm -hmm. yeah she's just sort of replaced one really needy partner for another one who's different but both equally basically the same yeah Yeah. and then in this episode we also meet Sally's friends Dan and Kate who are Seb Cardinal and Robin Weaver Um, and obviously as soon as Emma realises that Dan is a a director she immediately wants to be friends with him and see if she can get a part in something that he's done she says at this point that her name is Emma de Florentier which is clearly made up that can't be her real name she says she's she's Stanley Kubrick's child they go around to their house for dinner and she says says well I think first Kate asks her where are you from and she goes oh that's sort of all over the place really desperately trying to seem mysterious Mm. and interesting and then I think this seems to be the point where Sally starts to really realize how much she just lies all the time because as soon as she mentions the Stanley Kubrick thing Sally's just like what are you talking about? She's really coming to light for her. Um, yeah, she says her dad is Stanley Kubrick or possibly Stanley Kubrick's deformed brother. Uh, <laughs> she, yes. She was like, oh, you know, he's deformed. He has extra limbs and he was 40 stone. But <laughs> my mum slept with him anyway. <laughs> oh, that's Yeah, I love that. That feels sort of improvised as well. Yeah. Maybe she, like, she just goes on and on about it so much and it's so awkward. She also says that she has played lots of different roles in films and she recently played a male soldier in Testament oh, yeah. of Youth. Any film you can name, I've been in it or whatever it was. Yeah. And it's, it's seeing, because this is like a really nice not to 100 seduction of that character. Mm-hmm. And you can see in the way that she kind of filled what Sally what Sally needed when in order to like seduce Sally at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You're seeing her perform in a really different way to be exactly what he wants to try and yeah. seduce him. And it's, it's the moment where it starts being, it moves from just being like, oh, she's an attention seeker, she's a narcissist, to being like, oh, she's there's something pathological mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, she, keep, she keeps making little comments about his wife as well, saying... Yeah, trying to oh, really put her down. She, you know, it must be really hard with the kids. She just looks so washed out all the time. Bless her, poor Kate. And he clearly doesn't really... He's He's not a very nice person. Oh, he's absolutely awful. Yeah, as well. he's making her do all the childcare and asking her to turn the thermostat down when he's literally doing nothing. They go upstairs as well. Him, just him and Emma, and it, it goes a bit mad. They start taking drugs. There's a lot of weird stuff in this scene. He says that he's done a musical with Matt Damon about an orangutan who becomes a fireman, and then he. Well, there's this exchange where. She asks him, what's the weirdest sexual thing you ever done? And he says, I once had a threesome where someone died. <laughs> I, think when I, I think when I first watched that, I actually had to pause it because I was <laughs> dying. Is there I, any more Julia Davis world comment? I know. I love that he, he pauses for ages as well because he's thinking about it. And he just says, I once had a threesome where someone died. 
sex and death, but like so normy and understated. Yeah, these recurring themes <laughs> coming up. While they're upstairs, Sally's talking to Kate and she tells Kate that things are going really well. Obviously, they're not. She keeps making me smoothies in the morning with eight different vegetables. At the beginning, it made me really sick, but I'm vomiting a lot less now, which is great. Completely going along with everything. Yeah, that shows how much of a doormat she is because she is, you know, most people, I think, if you were being given smoothies that were making yeah. you throw up, you just refuse them but she's clearly just been going along with it. Do you do you like her as a character? Can you relate to her? More than the other characters. Maybe if I was a, a little bit older, like I, I guess she's supposed to be maybe about 40, I would guess. And obviously a lot of people nowadays are in relationships at 40 where because times have changed so much, you don't necessarily know if you want to get married, if you want to have kids. You don't want to do it just because you feel like you should. And so I think maybe... So you think to the situation, if you were in the situation, you could relate to Yeah, I think maybe people who are a bit more middle-aged might be able to identify, particularly people who haven't settled down in a way. Because, she, yeah, she just doesn't know what she wants at all, really, yeah. does she? Um, what do you think? I do. So I'm so torn because you go through it and you sort of... She is kind of loathable in her own way because you're mm-hmm. like, just make a decision, just sort yourself out. Why? What? Who are you trying to? Is, is is it that she's lying to herself? Is it that she's lying to other people? Not even lying isn't even the right word, mm-hmm. but just uh, obstinately refusing to acknowledge the reality of it. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, another thing in this episode that Emma talks about is how she's into parkour, apparently. We never see any evidence of this. But she's exactly the kind of Bellandy yeah, would say that. Yeah, she says it's a big a big stress buster for her. <laughs> we end the song just with, um, what's his name, Dan and Emma. They, they've done a lot of cocaine and they're kind of dancing around. Sally just looks really awkward, like, oh God, what, what have I got myself into? Oh yeah, they're singing a song, they're improvising a song together yeah. and they're going to Sally, join in, join in. And then, oh, the pressure of it. She finally gives it a go and she just can't do it. Yeah. I've actually, I've made a Spotify playlist with all of the music from the show. <laughs> Great. I, I actually, I Googled that just in case it was a real song. I thought it wasn't, but I checked it. It's not. Um, but yeah, all the other songs from the show, uh, I'll, I'll probably put like a link in the episode notes or something. I do really like that a lot of the show is about like the unbearability of show-offs mm-hmm. done by a comedian who makes TV shows yeah. and like that is also doing that, but also how just like awful it is in real life when you encounter people like that who can't stop showing off. Yeah. And then we have a lot of this in episode four, which is uh, a lot of it is on the film set. Yeah. Mm. Uh, She's just being really awkward from the start. Again, she keeps asking for a cortado all the time. So Emma thinks she she turns up and she sort of thinks she's going to be able to finagle herself into a main role on this yeah, film. Yeah, because we it's a film about an autistic baker who's being played by, uh, well, at first it's being played by Marion Cotillard. There's a really weird moment where he says that she she's pulled out because she's had some surgery done on her nose because she's fed up of being so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and Emma is obviously immediately like, oh, well, I can jump in. But he's already got Lena Headey involved. And then, yeah, she goes to makeup where we see, oh, another good character actor, uh, Joanna Scanlon. Yes, I was going to say Angela Scanlon and she's a TV <laughs> presenter. As the makeup artist too. And so Emma is trying to say she's uh, she's supposed to be really beautiful and the makeup artist is saying, no, that's not the instruction that we've yeah, had. Yeah, she keeps saying like, you need to be like ruddy and old cronish and Emma keeps saying, oh, I need to look like I've just had a massive orgasm. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that she's trying to seduce him really mm. and she still thinks she's going to be able to argue herself into the lead. 
Yeah, and then even after the makeup has happened, she keeps trying to redo it and she keeps like ripping her dress open to push her boobs out and saying that the costume girl has done it and she clearly hasn't. When we see Dan in this episode, he's ordering something on the phone with almond flakes, acai berries, flaxseed and Swiss chard in it. So it's just shorthand for him being a prick. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of like lampooning of modern day Mm -hmm. like bullshittery. She makes you think she's actually a very low-key person in real life before mm-hmm. that stuff annoys her so much. So we're on the film set. Yeah, they're doing this scene. She um, she keeps walking in a really weird way, like upstaging Lena Headey. Dan starts getting really annoyed as well. And then meanwhile, there are scenes in the office as well. I think Deborah, the boss, gets quite a few good moments in this one. She's sort of doing some sort of weird, like, jaw exercises when when Sally walks into the room and then she looks at her and she goes no womb still I'm hot (laughs) Um, this is a really nice this starts to be the moment where her character is built on a little bit and we've seen her before but not to to escalate up into this kind of like mm -hmm. third act of people behaving in a really inappropriate sexual way towards Mm -hmm. Sally Yeah, there's this important meeting coming up in the afternoon. Sally's off to the funeral of David's dad and Deborah asks her if it's going to be a cremation because she says, as soon as those curtains shut, make your excuses and go. So again, yeah, just giving more to her character, really. We kind of get what she's about now. At the funeral, I really love how David is just sort of in the background the whole time, just like sobbing. Like You just see his face in the background. He doesn't really say much in this episode, but it's just funny seeing him. I'm just he's just despairing uh, and then we meet up with Sally's mother again who I think we kind of assume they haven't really spoken mm-hmm. since she found out that Sally's in a relationship with a woman um, and she mentions that she wants to arrange an exorcism if Sally wants to and she says that the vicar is he's got the homosexuals down to 30 minutes now oh, <laughs> awful awful Yeah, and Kate is there and she brings up with Sally the fact that she thinks Emma gave her daughter a load of sweets while she was around at the house. And Sally kind of doesn't really want to believe her, does she? Because I think she's still kind of thinking that Emma might be a good person, even though she's seen evidence otherwise. Absolutely. And this this starts to be really undeniable. Is this this the episode where they're speaking to the therapist and she says, I just don't like you? Or is that a bit later? I think that might be the next one, but... She's it's on its way towards yeah. that. She's just resisting mm-hmm. and actually she, saying out loud. Yeah. And she says to Kate, she's she's like on the verge of tears, but she says to her, can you not see how massively happy I am? <laughs> yes. Again, that contrast is just so brilliant. But even though she feels like she's kind of denying it, she does decide to go to the film set to confront Emma. And when she asks her about it, Emma says, sorry, I literally don't understand the question, <laughs> which I think I'm going to use in real life when someone sorry. asks me about something thing that I'm not happy with. In this same scene, she also says that that Dan was manipulating her and that he was slamming her head onto a table of cocaine, which obviously isn't true, but Sally does kind of seem like she's buying it. Yeah, because he is a bit of a prat, isn't Mm. he? And she wants to. And then obviously this episode ends with 
the scene in the trailer. Yeah, which is one of the most extraordinary pieces of television yeah. I've ever seen. And it, so it all really culminates. You've got all this pressure on it. You sort of know his wife and kids are on the way. Yeah. You know that <laughs> Sally is in the bathroom. They want to do this, like, there's going to be some kind of, like, sexual crescendo to the tension that has been bubbling between <laughs> um, Emma and the director. And then she shits on his face. The other way around. Yeah, he does it on her face. Oh, does yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know why I've, like, visualised that. Just- As everyone comes in, it's just awful. But the funny thing is, there's like almost no consequence to it in the next episode. Yeah. Oh, he's the the noises he's making are just traumatizing. Oh, it's absolutely disgusting. It's horrible. And then, yeah, it just keeps building. And when Sally comes out, she looks so confused and he turns to her and he tells her to get involved. And she's, I think she says that she's going to be sick. The family come in. It's, oh God, it's horrifying. (laughs) I think. When I was hearing people talk about the first episode, like certain TV critics had seen the whole series and they kept mentioning, oh, there's this thing coming up and you won't believe it. Oh, and that was the, of course, that's the big thing of the series. I think I heard someone say that like she had to ask for special permission from like HBO to do that because it hasn't been on TV before. It's like groundbreaking. Yeah, like a sex act that's never been seen on TV, but if you can call it a sex act. Yeah. And I, I imagine won't be seen again for a while because no. it's awful to look maybe at. Maybe the next Julia Davis show, maybe she'll make it a run. <laughs> Just all of that. that. <laughs> so that's episode four. And then episode five, yeah, you, as you said before, they're in therapy yet again. Sally's crying and saying that she doesn't think they're right for each other. Um, and the therapist is just completely dismissing her and saying like, oh, what's wrong with you? And Sally says that she she can't sleep because Emma keeps staring at her all night and nudging her awake and thrashing around and rolling really close to her. <laughs> and the therapist just suggests having a warm, milky drink. You start to see just how completely inadequate everyone around her is as well. Yeah, no one's going to help her, no. And then she also t- she tells the therapist, uh, I found her with my best friend's husband. He was passing a stool and masturbating over her face at the same time and the therapist just pauses and goes oh is that it (laughs) (laughs) like clearly that's not a deal breaker in this situation yeah and you start so it really sets up what is the deal breaker for this Mm -hmm. how because you know now she wants to get out but how is she possibly going to do it because there's no easy way yeah and in this episode as well she meets up with David and he's in a relationship with someone else he's wearing this awful wig on oh it's just so embarrassing yeah she's wearing this strange wig and and he's saying really cringy stuff like he says she's a sexy woman I'm a sexy man and that's how sex things happen <laughs> but it does kind of have an effect on Sally because she kind of thinks not necessarily that she wants to get back together with him but she starts thinking should I have a baby I think I think she wants that and now David's having a baby with someone else supposedly that's what he says and then this comes up in the therapy session where well, she says she wants to have a baby and the therapist immediately assumes that she means with Emma, which she really doesn't. And makes her say, yeah. I want to have a baby with you just to see what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But then she said it out loud. Yeah. And Emma just takes that to mean, oh, we're going to have a baby now. That's what we're doing. And the therapist also tells her that she might end up a, a bitter, lonely, dried up old maid, uh, which kind of hammers home the fact that she maybe should have a baby. So then this moves on to Nigel coming over to their house because they're looking for sperm donors. Emma says that she wants to have a gay boy. So she wants gay donors, but Nigel comes around because there's a misunderstanding. He's come around to supposedly do work with Sally. And so 
there's quite an awkward situation where they suggest this thing quite vaguely and he thinks they're suggesting a threesome, but they're actually suggesting that he donates sperm to them. And this is where him and Sally kind of off screen get together, really. Yeah, and I really like that it happens off screen. So they've gone upstairs mm-hmm. because he's meant to be d- do it with a baster. Yeah, they've got a cup and a baster. And instead you just hear furniture sort of like bashing mm-hmm. around and moving and you know what's happening. And then they come downstairs and they look so pleased with each other. Yeah, and they're quite sort of dishevelled as well. Emma can see what's happened. She asks if they use the baster and he says, um, well, I have, an, I have a baster, uh, nature's baster, if you like. So we use that instead. Emma's clearly furious, isn't she? Oh, and it's the thing that she hates, you feel like she hates most about it is that it was something that didn't involve her. Like she was, yeah. she was excluded. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of horror of it. And then we have some quite nice moments where they're at work and Sally and Nigel are like eating their lunch together, seem to be having almost like they're sort of in a relationship now. They're exchanging little looks across the office. I think it's one of the, it's the only time where it actually feels quite sort of romantic and nice and there's quite nice music going on as well. And then of course that's cut short by a phone call from the hospital that Emma has tried to commit suicide. It is the most like repulsive but logical conclusion for for things. Yeah. And so even there when she visits her in the hospital, is it um oh what's his name? Mark Gatiss. Mark Gatiss is the doctor. And he again is just like person after person letting her down. And so it's him plus the therapist. Yeah. She's back from her holiday. <laughs> and they're both just pressuring Sally into saying that she's she's going to stay with her and be with her and look after her. Yeah, it's typical. Like This is the point where it seems like Sally is maybe going to make a decision and leave Emma because she's with Nigel now. And then obviously this happens. She's surrounded by people who are going, Sally, 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 over and over again. She just looks really overwhelmed. The therapist, I think, asks if she can take compassionate leave to look after Emma at home, which is the complete opposite of what she wants now. <laughs> Emma then proposes to her. Well, Sally immediately says that she's she's not really sure and the therapist says well surely it's a no-brainer when you literally hold someone else's life in your hands <laughs> just so interfering so then she does say yes and i love how emma says oh no one's ever said yes before that to me <laughs> is the pinnacle of the entire series like it gave me chills when i heard it because that is the truth of that character isn't it the the astonishment that's when you see that crack that's like yeah Everyone gets away with it with Sally. She is the person who will say yes when Mm -hmm. no one else will say yes. And that is her fatal flaw. Yeah. And And it's led to all of this. And the implication that Emma has just proposed to loads of people in the past. Of course, she's pulled this shit on everyone. She's done this so many times before, over and over again. So then, yeah, this awful thing has happened. The next episode is, feels a little bit separate from the others. They have this work away day or away weekend where they're having these team building exercises. So we see Emma a little bit in this episode at the beginning because Sally's leaving. She lies to her and tells her that Nigel isn't going. So that kind of implies that she does still have feelings for Nigel. She doesn't want Emma to know. Emma says to her as she's leaving, you put me in the hospital once, please don't do it again. Have a good trip. She's also like wet the bed but and tells Sally that she was too scared to tell her in case she got angry. Just she's probably done it deliberately, hasn't she? Oh, of course she has. Of course she has. Again. 
So this is where like the gleefulness of Julia Davis and that character really gets starts to get really out of control and obviously like escalates further into the just, next yeah, episode. Yeah, guilt but... tripping her the whole time and making her feel really bad for leaving. They have a therapy session where it's just Emma and the therapist and she tells the therapist about this thing with Nigel and says that she wants to axe him to death and throw darts at his face and the therapist says well that's pretty mild <laughs> so again she's just completely taking Emma's so side. enabling yeah and then most of the episode is at this work thing uh where they're playing some sort of weird like game with donuts dangling on a string it's very funny very inappropriate for- but again like very literal to the to what those kind of work trips and works environments are like, like quite well observed and th- that it, it has all these simmering dynamics mm-hmm. underneath, but on the surface you're just doing this pointless, daft, inappropriate stuff. Yeah. And then this is the point where Deborah really comes into her own in a horrible way. She seems to have kind of orchestrated it so that her and Sally are sharing a room. There's it's the honeymoon suite. Yeah, she's determined <laughs> to make it a romantic weekend because yeah. as soon as she's found out that Sally is a lesbian now, mm-hmm. as, in, as she says it, and then she she admits that she also is. Yeah, and she says as well that she thought something would happen between them. She says something about like a, a buttery spread launch in Cardiff and I thought maybe something was going to happen the between us. The buttery spread launch. <laughs> Think do they maybe just do dairy product marketing, just (laughs) eggs and buttery spread. They've got a bath in the middle of the hotel room and she keeps encouraging Sally to go in the bath, like just be in the room while she's having a bath, which is obviously inappropriate. So she's living this absolute fantasy. I do really, this is a really like memorable sequence to me that I really love that Deborah is determined that she is having the most fun romantic weekend ever, even though she is getting absolutely nothing back from Mm -hmm. Sally. So, but it also has this odd sort of like domestic element to it that she wants to get in the bath and then she wants Sally to get in the Mm -hmm. same bath. It's like they're already deep into a relationship. Mm -hmm. And then she's, you know, she's out and about with a, she's like running running over the grounds with a bottle of champagne. Yeah. And it's all like fun and frolicking. And Sally just is not participating at all, but doesn't yeah. seem to matter. Yeah, she keeps getting her to like try and look at the clouds and stuff in a romantic way. I think she mentions that she's an alcoholic. So oh. obviously that exacerbates things that she's downing all this champagne. She starts like scoffing chocolates as well. And it's that that chewing thing again. That oh, it's similar yeah, the mouth sounds. Yeah, she keeps she pushes her onto the bed and she's got all these chocolates in her mouth. It's disgusting. And then, yeah, does a bit of a, a dance to Black Velvet. Or oh, before that, actually, she showing her thong that she's wearing and says that she's got a cystitis and thrush and far too much detail. It's all just very disgusting. She essentially just sort of says to Sally, like, come on, let's do it then. And Because Sally has been not leading her on, but she's not really been didn't like saying no like Sally never says no that's the problem and then she when she does it's not strong enough but yeah it is really yeah she she is never able to push back on anyone but here she is starting to try isn't she because she knows that the possibility of Nigel is there Mm -hmm. and and she doesn't want to be in this situation and she is trying to resist but she's just this very polite non-aggressive personality Mm -hmm. Eleanor has a few good bits in this episode too she's um being really annoying on this work trip. She keeps saying, um, I could hash me too about that in this episode, (laughs) uh, which is interesting. And then when Sally 
Sally basically sort of tells people at this point that she's engaged to Emma. She obviously hasn't told her co-worker. She's probably mortified. She doesn't want people to know. Uh, and Eleanor just says in a really annoying way, like, oh, you're engaged to a woman. I just can't get quite get my head around it. <laughs> like she's really homophobic as well as just being awful. And then the, the end of this episode is quite sort of moving, really, I think, because... Sally has managed to escape from Deborah. She's running down the hall to go to Nigel's room and it seems quite like a romantic moment, but then we see he's got he's got Rachel Stubbings in his room with yeah. him. So it's she's quite shocking. been I've I just loved her in this. It's very her. But she have you ever seen any of her short films? A few, yeah. She I think she has a pretty distinctive vibe, which is like these very understated characters and so she's been working behind a bar and he's been kind of like sort of chatting her up but she's mm-hmm. really been not interested in him yeah he keeps night. getting her name wrong and things and he's like really, that yeah he's like it's like two people who shouldn't have been together anyway but are the last resort and he sort of persuaded her into it and then Sally comes to his door and she's there they've clearly been sleeping together and he tries to pretend he's in the wrong <laughs> room it is nice that he's being nice to Sally but he also is as, kind of as bad as everyone else in a mm-hmm. way yeah he gets really drunk doesn't he because he's partly because he's just annoyed well not annoyed as upset about sally he can't really understand why she's gone off him but obviously it's because she's got engaged yeah. and she hasn't actually told him that and she wants to do the right thing but in a world where no one is doing no one else is doing the right thing mm-hmm. everyone else is doing yeah. exactly what they want to do and then the, this episode ends with uh They've all set, well, someone set the fire alarm off. It's a character that I don't think I've actually mentioned so far, uh, Mick, who's played by Steve Oram, mm-hmm. who's another one of the co-workers. He's just sort of pervy, really, isn't it? That's his main yeah. characteristic. And he's just like the worst person in your office. The guy is just like uncomfortable mm-hmm. and always says the wrong thing. And you don't really want him there. He thinks that he's got something going on with Sally as well. Not as much as the other characters. Like maybe it's more of a jokey, well, he thinks it's a jokey thing, but he does keep making comments to Nigel about how like he wants to sleep with Sally and oh, I think she might be interested Yeah, he's just in completely me. clueless. But I do think he has the most genuinely lovely subplot in the entire thing which is that at this conference oh, yeah. he meets so the whole time you, th- you think oh he's a real prick no, you know he's sort of lecture about women and, and there's no way he's ever going to get together with any of them and maybe it's slightly hinted and dangled that him and Eleanor could possibly be a little bit of a match because mm, yeah, like, well, they're both bit, awful yeah. but then at this conference he meets this older man who is exactly the same <laughs> as him they truly have found their soulmates and they have this like incredible fun night <laughs> where they just really like each other yeah no, yeah, it's quite sweet, really. It's but apart from when he's thrown up on him and stuff. But it's sort of like that's they're both terrible, but they found a they sort of have found a match in the world. Yeah, and when they're in the hotel room together, I think the song playing is "Shape of You" by Ed Sheeran. So it is kind of like a romantic. It totally, it's very like, like proto-romantic yeah. male friendship. But he's found he somehow found his double, and Sally doesn't seem to be able to make her match at all. Mm-hmm. And then this episode ends, of course, with the fire alarm goes off. They all have to rush outside. Eleanor is kind of stuck in her disabled room. And then it turns out that she's not disabled at all. <laughs> runs out because she's the worst person in the world. And I love how she just sees them because it makes eye contact with them. And of course, they're all like, what's happening? And she just carries on running. Like, I don't know where she goes, but she's clearly like, oh, God, they've yeah. they found me out. I'm going to just run, keep running forever. Yeah. So 
now we've got the final episode. They've actually got married now. <laughs> yeah, which is nice. I really like that little jump because I think it lets you see the most interesting bit. And actually, who cares about their wedding ceremony? Mm-hmm. You could make it a comedy of errors, but why? Mm-hmm. It's so much funnier to think, yep, yeah, they just did it. Maybe it was nice. Maybe it wasn't. And now there's this hope they're starting a new Mm-hmm. chapter together yeah and she's still getting texts from Nigel though I'm not sure if he knows they've got married yet or but he's texting her saying you know I still have feelings for you and we see that Emma is just deleting them off Sally's phone before she can see them it's very sad <laughs> and they're married now and obviously things haven't changed in their relationship at all Sally is really concerned about how expensive the hotel is. And she finds out later that Emma has actually called up her bank and extended her overdraft for her. And she's just really not having a nice time on this honeymoon at all. Emma tells her at one point, uh, stop worrying, it's really unattractive. Yeah. And then they have this seafood buffet. I mean, this is the absolute culmination of... The whole thing that we've seen all this behavior and it's it's almost it is like seeing kind of the same joke again uh, several times in it and every, and every single time it works and you don't mind. So in this one, they are at a seafood buffet and Sally doesn't want to eat mm-hmm. anything because she's so sick of Emma. <laughs> and Emma is like behaving as you kind of would at a amazing buffet where she's just loading up this plate. Yeah, she says it's like a harvester type thing. Obviously, <laughs> it's a very upper class harvester. And it's re- the thing I really like about it is that it exposes like she she is just all smoke and mirrors and facade and and to compare it to that and have it be like that's her world that she knows mm-hmm. and she's trying to fit in somewhere else the whole time and another a nice line about the seafood buffet uh Emma tells Sally that Heston Blumenthal is the chef here. If you eat fish here, which I'm definitely going to do, they catch it fresh from the lock, bring it to the table flapping and then gas it right in front of you. <laughs> I think that, that's a very good Julia Davis one-liner. And Sally just says, that sounds horrible. Yeah. She, she doesn't, just doesn't to, want it at all. Yeah, of course, Emma would love that sort of hipstery. Oh, the performance of it. Yeah. And, and is so comfortable with the like the unpleasantness of it. Yeah. And she also, she gets up and starts doing this dancing with the bagpipes and then makes things even worse by getting up and singing a song to Sally which is where we learn the title Sally Forever which how satisfying is that you've seen the whole thing like I just think it's so bold and nice and it is almost it's like almost a nice song but you would by that point you just know she doesn't want it so intensely Mm. that it it just makes it so stark yeah it's Sally, it's kind of like the the David singing to her in the very first scene. Yeah, I, really I hadn't thought about it. this before, but Sally just looks mortified. She doesn't want to be there at all. Uh, Sean Bean has a weird cameo in this episode. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird other version of Sean Bean who he's getting some he's there because he's getting some Botox done and he's got uh, a wife with him who Sally mistakes for his mum because she's really old and then obviously at this point Emma is in the room with really awful food poisoning yeah disgusting it's a nice it's a lot of things coming together because so the joke is that Sean she thinks Sean Bean's wife is his mother because she's so much older than him but they actually have this really lovely relationship and they seem to really care about and like each other and that seems almost revelatory to Sally Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Emma is just horrified that she's met Sean Bean and wants her to bring Sean Bean into the room, even (laughs) though it is covered in poo and sick. Uh, Yeah, the the moment where she first throws up. I I love how extreme it is. It's kind of like those sketches in Little Britain. It's exactly that. It's just outrageous. Yeah, it's not like 
real throwing up at all. It's just uh, that's some sort of tube behind her face, I assume, that's just shooting yeah. out this bright yellow And vomit. it mirrors this sense of, you know, th- that is any of this real? How did it get to this point? Mm-hmm. How absurd it must seem, the whole thing, the graphicness of it and the the, the unpleasantness. Yeah, and Sally comments about how there's like bits of tentacle and bits of claw in in the sick because she hasn't been chewing her food she's just like <laughs> she's shoveling like it down just absorbing everything uh yeah we have a brief little um look at the workplace obviously sally's on her honeymoon so she's not there uh there's a comment about how deborah is now in rehab and she's actually accusing sally of sexually assaulting her so that's another thing sally's got to look forward to when she gets back from her honeymoon i assume she's also but doesn't probably- is, is is nigel sort of stand up for her yeah he's like that's ridiculous what you're talking about emma wants to meet sean bean obviously sally's like well we can't bring him to this room she wants him to come to the room even though it's just (laughs) it's just smeared in her feces and she's saying we'll pull the duvet over her yeah she said something like a nurse came in at one point to see her and just ran away screaming (laughs) this is that bad you're so needy with sally i think at one point isn't she like does it does it smell and sally just has to be like yeah yeah and they have they have start having a bit of a conversation about how unhappy Sally is and Sally says I think we're in a really difficult place right now and Emma says what you mean Scotland which <laughs> is a nice it's a silly joke but I really like that one then they talk she gets Sally to shout at her her sort of ulterior motive is, is that she's going to record this outburst and then send it to Nigel and this is kind of a big moment for Sally isn't it because she does yeah, it is take the opportunity cathartic. and she really screams at her and says the thing and then it's used yeah. against her yeah you're really shouting that she hates her. There's another moment here that's very sort of disturbing where they're talking about their relationship and Emma says, I'm not just talking about sex. Why do you have to cry every time? <laughs> it's just horrifying stuff that's been happening off screen that we yeah. haven't seen where obviously they really seemed really compatible at the beginning in a sexual way and we get the impression now it's not like that at all and Emma's really forcing her to do stuff that she doesn't want to do Uh, it's horrible and then Sally becomes sick as well but it turns out that it's not food poisoning she's actually pregnant with Nigel's baby another little cutaway we get is Eleanor and David in a scene together which is new she's having a photo shoot done she says it's for her dating profile and she's dressed as puss in boots yeah as you do and she's back in the wheelchair critically isn't she she, because she's she's reasoned it that she has a type of illness which makes her think she or sometimes she can't use her legs and then they kind of hit off don't they and we see later in the episode they're like getting off with each other in a car yeah they really seem like a good match for each other yeah I didn't see it coming to be honest because they had they hadn't even been in scenes together until this I think this last episode like it does feel a little shoehorned and and often I do think Julia Davis stuff is can can feel a little imperfect mm-hmm. and rough. And and that's like not a criticism yeah. at all in terms of like the improvised side of it, in terms of this last episode is like trying to tie up a lot of stuff very hard, but you forgive her for it because you just think it's escalated so far. Mm-hmm. You you allow it to escalate into absurdity. Yeah. It's endings still satisfying. Are, yeah, endings are quite hard. I think, I think camping is maybe the best ending she's done. Because that, I think camping feels very different actually, because things are quite 
downplayed for the whole uh-huh. series and then things really reach like a crescendo in the last episode yeah, where yeah. people start taking drugs and it all goes a bit mental whereas this has been moving and moving Mad and moving from the start yeah. like with the sex scene in the very first episode so yeah i guess when you start off in that extreme way it's difficult to know how to end it really I totally I mean I think it still works and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we're ramping up to the ending ourselves so I guess we'll like discuss that but it, yeah it's like it's quite plot it gets plotty yeah we get a flash forward now Sally's actually ready to have the baby they have this sc- uh, scan with the horrible doctor again yeah. who's just being really creepy and you know I think anyone watching it who's had something done like a, a smear test whenever you see something like that on screen it's just it's horrible to see and he's being really inappropriate as well then they bump into Nigel you can tell that he's changed because he's wearing a massive scarf and he's got he's doing yoga and he's got a girl Evelyn Mock who's a really good stand-up comedian she's so brilliant in it because she's so sweet and lovely and you just think, oh no, you're in. You've, you're into this group of horrible you've people now. Into this thing. Yeah, she thinks she's just in a relationship with a nice man, and now <laughs> this is about to happen. And they find she finds out at dinner. Is it Emma? One of them admits that Nigel is the father of the baby. I think it's Emma. Yeah, and she's just really horrified that she didn't know that and upset yeah. by it. Which is fair. I think you would be I know, if you no would. one had mentioned it. It would I be very love shocking. How before she runs away as well, she like packs up all of her yeah, food, food I, I think I would do that if I was having dinner somewhere yeah. and I wanted to storm take out take what you're owed yeah exactly and then it's sort of the end really Sally actually goes into labour at this point probably because of the stress of the situation and there's a bit of a battle between Nigel and Emma taking her to the hospital Nigel gets her there and then Emma turns up later but obviously they don't want her there anymore she like she goes into a room and hits herself in the face with something and then claims that it was Nigel who did it in the hospital waiting room or something they have the baby and then it's sort of well it seems like a happy ending that they're together now it's very like domestic Um, they're sitting on the bed they're saying you know how happy they are with it and uh, Sally says she just she just feels like Emma is still in the house yeah and they say that has has she been sectioned or something yeah she's been locked up somewhere and she's safe and she's far from there saying you know the implication is they were there together and she can't shake her off Mm -hmm. but then yeah we go up and she's living in their attic. I don't know what house they're in at this point. Maybe this is Nigel's house that they're living together in. But yeah, Emma has managed to somehow now live in the attic and she's looking down through this little hole in the ceiling at them. Can't, won't let her go. And like, totally, that is so silly. It Mm -hmm. goes into absolute silly territory, but I I love it as a little button. Mm -hmm. Do do you think there should be a second series? Would you like to see that? Or do you think it's kind of, should be left as it is? I personally think it is is just fine as it is. Yeah, I think it works very well as a standalone thing. She learned her lesson. Yeah. And, well, you think she learned her lesson. I guess you could go back and say, is she the kind of person that's her lesson but it, it's one thing I think the thing it highlights is it's one thing to be one person on your own being messed around by people and being unable to make decisions but if she had a kid and mm-hmm. she was being messed around like that would be something very sinister about it yeah I assume if they do do a second series it would be maybe they're trying to live their life and Emma keeps coming back in some way or stalking them or whatever I think it works very well as a single series thing I think Julia Davis can do whatever she wants really and you know that more than anything is my philosophy is like literally let her do whatever like no rules for Julia Davis 
So before we come to an end, uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, please. My name is Charlie Dinkin and I love new followers. Yeah, you have a very funny Twitter. People <laughs> Thank you so much. You. Um, and is there anything coming up that you want to plug, like any, any shows or anything? Uh, might have been. Well, I'm at McCuntleth Comedy Festival, if no, anyone's yeah. there. Uh, I'm not doing the Edinburgh Fringe. I'm directing a number of things. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, you can find out when all my future shows are. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket. You can find us on Twitter at Julia Davis, Q-O-T-D. And you can find me at It's Sophie Davis. This podcast was edited by Alex Bondek with original music by Martin Ford and Matt Bond. Next time, I'll be joined by Olivia Phipps to talk about Hunderby.